Hey, I've got some really good news for you. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the little town of Bethlehem, lived for 33 years, died on a cross, was buried, and then rose again to life to give life to all who will come to him. That's the good news of the Christmas story right there. Praise the Lord for that. Go ahead and have a seat and um, take your Bibles and let's turn to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So this is really familiar. This is the story we all have read. If you've been around church at all and around the Bible, actually, if you've lived in America for any time at all, you've heard this story read to you somewhere along the line. Um, if you've watched the Peanut Christmas, right? A Charlie Brown, is it Charlie Brown Christmas? You've heard this story. Luke 2, 1 through 16. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman world. Now, can I, let me just stop for just a second. I want to declare something over you that is clear. We've talked about it many times, but in case you forgot, I just want to remind you. God is sovereign over everything. God is in control, which that means God is in control, and he is superintending everything that happens in the world, in your life, superintending your whole life in control. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? Okay, because it's true. So even in world government or local government, even in the world outside of the church, God is superintending, and you need to see that in the passage here as we read it. God is in control of all things. So at this time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman world. So even when the government gets involved and begins to order your life for you, you need to understand God is still in control. God is still working. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. Okay, it's hard to say amen to that in our world right now. But it's true. You need to hear that. I want you to hear that loud and clear in this story. So... All returned to their own ancestral towns to register. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, which was David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. What a bummer that there was a census right when Mary had to deliver, and they had to travel. It's a long way from Galilee to Bethlehem on a donkey. That's a long trip. Look it up. How inconvenient that this type of thing is happening in her world right when she's pregnant. Now, how inconvenient, can I just say this? How inconvenient that she was engaged to be married to Joseph and pregnant. Is anybody following me? Very inconvenient, especially in that culture, okay? Oh, well, it's no big deal. I'm just with child from the Holy Spirit of God. 
Yeah, right. But that's what they were living with. And that was the time in which they were living. And it was during this time when she was great with child, the scripture says, and she was ready to have the baby that a census was taken and she was, they were ordered to Bethlehem. How inconvenient. So I ask you the question, is God in control of that thing, those types of things? Are you sure? Okay, good. Why will they, while they were there, the time came for her, to, for her baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. I like this version because growing up, I really didn't know what it meant by swaddling clothes. I don't, that's not a word that I use. Maybe your Bible has that version. But she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And there you have it, this beautiful manger scene, this beautiful nativity scene. How special. Don't you just want to start singing? Silent night, holy night. What are the next words? All is calm, all is bright. <laughs> I, I get it, you know the rest of the song, but is that how it went down? Is that what's really happening here? That's a beautiful song and it's beautiful. I mean, was it like this beautiful little nativity all you know, with like fresh hay and you know, very groomed animals, little porcelain doll type of thing. Is that what's going on here? It's not. It's very much a different story than what you, we actually think of and we glamorize with the whole thing about what is actually going on in the world, but also what is actually going on at the birth. You ladies, your first child, you're a teenager and you're having your first child in a stable Anybody want to sign up for that? How awesome would that be? Oh, and the only person there with you is Joseph. You know, you have these movies that say the innkeeper's wife came out and helped her. Does it say that anywhere in here? I think God would let us know. Any, I'm getting into stuff I shouldn't get into because I don't know. You don't know either. But here's what I do know. I do know that God is superintending and he's in total control over what is happening in their world and what is happening in that manger in that stable, I should say. He knows exactly what's going on. And I want to talk about a side of the story that isn't often told. And this is just what's been musing in my mind as I've been thinking about, you know, I mean, what do you preach again about Christmas? 
Every year I gotta have a Christmas story, right? I have a, I have a Christmas message. Well, the story doesn't change, so there's not different aspects of this. So what do you preach on? This is what the Lord brought to my mind. Phil, understand that before the creation of time, before there was time, an eternity passed, God's will for Jesus was to come to earth. And he had planned that his son would come to earth as a baby and be born in a stable somewhere to a young virgin named Mary into the world in which they were living. Before time, God in his sovereignty was overseeing and superintending all that was going to happen in the life of his son, Jesus, as he came into this world. But it wasn't to come to be born and then to live happily ever after. See, if I was God and I was sovereign and in control of all things, this is how the story would go. I would see that mankind needed salvation. And so I would send my one and only son because I loved the creation that I had made. I would love the people of the world. And so I would send my son. My son would come to a virgin, be born of a virgin. He would grow up to be strong and grow up in the stature and favor of man and all all the world would come to him and be saved and they would all live happily ever after. I certainly wouldn't plan for my son to come into the world to die, but that is what is at the core of the Christmas story. Before the world began, before time began, the scripture tells us that God had planned to send his son, his one and only son, the one son of his love, to be born as a baby, to die, so that those who are dead could be born again to live. That is the core essence of the Christmas story. In fact, the religious, the only religious system that celebrates their Savior's birth to die is us. You would think we would mourn the Christmas story. That when the Christmas story comes, we would all weep and put on sackcloth because this precious baby was going to come and die. Because we know the story. We know why he came. He came to be the savior of the world. And the only way he was going to be the savior of the world was to die for the sins of mankind at the hands of sinful men. And yet that's what we celebrate and it's precious to us because we know what his birth brought to us ultimately and what his death brought to us ultimately. So before time in God's sovereignty, he planned to send his son, Jesus, to be born to die so that those of us who are dead could be born again to live. That was the sovereign plan of Almighty God. Can I show you that in... Um, 2 Timothy 1, chapter 9 and 10, or verses 9 and 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul writes this to us. He says, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Do you see that? Do you see God's sovereignty in salvation? It's not that you're special, and it's not that you've done something special that brings you salvation. No, God, in his, he purposed to save you. In fact, if you remember a while back this past year when we studied Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, we talked about the fact that before time began, God chose you, and he's called you, and he has predestined you to be saved 
so that you can do things that he has planned in advance for you to do, good works that he wants you to do to advance his kingdom. And so he's all along the way, he sovereignly has worked in your life to bring you to salvation, to do the things that he has wanted you to do, to get involved in things like season of generosity that we just spent the three months, past three months doing and many other things. That's what God is all about. That's what God is doing. And he's done all this, not because of you, but because of his own purpose. Look, let's go on. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. There it is. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God's plan to bring salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's go on. Because if you remember Peter in Acts chapter two, at the beginning of the church, when God is doing miraculous things through people in the church, Peter has an opportunity, a platform to speak to the men of Israel. And this is what he says in Acts chapter two, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man revealed by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, and get this, don't miss this, and he was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Do you see that? Now we think, how awful that, that wicked men crucified Jesus. But according to this passage, according to Peter, supernaturally given this information by the Holy Spirit says, he was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. So I don't know how to wrap my head around the fact that God took his one and only son, and because he loved the world so much, he gave his son to be born in a manger, to live his life to die so that we could live. It was his choice. He deliberately made that happen before time began. That's hard to get your head around. You, he says, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Isaiah 53, 10 says it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and pro offering offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. What I want you to see, you guys, as we go into this Christmas day coming up this week, and as you spend time with your families remembering the Lord, that it was God's will to make his son a victim of physical, temporal death so that you and I could be spared and delivered from spiritual, eternal death. That's the message of Christmas. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own. No one made us do that. We did that on our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away, struck down, get this now, for the rebellion of the world. Not because he sinned, 
but because we sinned and we rebelled against God. This, my friends, is the essence of the Christmas story, but it reveals the generous heart of God. How awesome is that? I'm gonna try something, and it's okay if you say no. Can I hold this little baby? Whose is it? Do you trust me? You do? You sure? How precious is this? I saw you come in with her. So, what's her name? Aaliyah. Aaliyah? Zalea. Zalea? That's a beautiful name. How old is she? Three months. How awesome is this? You know what's so cool about little babies? They're like little ovens. <laughs> you know, you like hold them and pretty soon you're like stripping off your... Are you awake? She's looking at me going, I don't have a clue who you are. <laughs> Can you see? Can you see her? Look how, look how beautiful she is. Look at this precious little baby. Now, I actually had my granddaughter in the first service. Her first time at church, she's two weeks old. And um, they were like, I don't think she can make it through the second service. But here's a picture. You guys have a picture? This was yesterday. I got to sit with her. Her name is Wren Grace Byers. And um, she's two weeks old. And we were like that for a while yesterday. How special that was, and we made a deal. You know, the whole family was together, and we made a deal, she and I, and that I was going to be her special poppy, and I was going to be her favorite. <laughs> Both sides of the family. How precious is this little life right here? I ask you something? You willing to give her up? <laughs> Are you sure? Don't you love these people enough to give your child to them? <laughs> I wouldn't either. Like in the first service, I said, do you see this little baby? And let's just pretend this one's mine for a minute. I'm not, I don't like you that much. I'm not that generous. I'm serious. I don't even love you that much. And if you came and you said, hey, can you just give Zalea to me and, and offer her life for mine so that I can live? I would say, no, go find your own life. Go find your own way. I'm not giving her up. You wouldn't give her up, right? And yet that's what God did for us. Thank you. Thank you for letting me hold your baby. She's awesome. Thank you. Our Father in heaven. That little baby born in Bethlehem, that little precious, I mean, he was a real baby. That precious little baby was the plan of God 
to die for your sins and mine. Offered his only son for you and for me. That's the Christmas story. I sat with little Wren yesterday and just, you know, look at her fingers. They're just, it's just an amazing, the little babies and the detail, looking at her feet. I came across this from John MacArthur who wrote about this, what we're talking about. And he said this, those soft little hands of Jesus fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those baby feet, pink and unable to walk, would one day walk up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. That sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and eager mouth was formed so that someday men might force a crown of thorns onto it. That tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a whip and a spear. This is what the scripture says, you guys. This, the scripture says this, it was the Lord's will to crush him. God, before the beginning of time, made a decision to send his one and only son to be born and to live for 33 years and to die so that you and I, who were dead in our trespasses and sins, might be reborn to live. That's how much God loves you. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That's what it means to us who believe. You know what two people came up and told me? They told me something brand new today I'd never heard before. You know the swaddling clothes, the, the strips of linen? Do you know what they did in the stable? When a little lamb was born and it was without blemish, that was set aside to be a sacrificial lamb because they had to be without spot and blemish. So a lamb was born, if it was without blemish and it didn't have any spots on it and it was a pure lamb, they would wrap the baby, they would, they would wrap that lamb tightly with the swaddling clothes and lay them in a manger so that the baby lamb wouldn't hurt itself and wouldn't blemish itself. And it was wrapped tightly, laid in a manger to wait for the sacrifice. That's crazy. The symbolism of what God before time actually knew what he was doing and was gonna show the symbolism that his son, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world was going to come, be wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger to die for your sin and for mine. Listen to me. That was God's supernatural plan. But I want you to hear something. God has a supernatural plan for you. God has a supernatural plan for you to be saved. It is not God's will that anybody should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And God's call is for every man and woman and child to come to salvation and receive the gift of sacrifice, to receive the gift of salvation of his son, Jesus, that we're gonna celebrate this week. 
If you can hear my voice and you do not know the Lord, the Lord is working out a plan for you. In fact, part of that plan is for you to be here or be online with us and hear my voice and hear the call of God in your life to come to repentance, to ask God to forgive you of your sins and receive this wonderful, generous gift of the Father on your behalf. The Bible says that if you'll confess your sin with your mouth and confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. You can be saved today and receive the true meaning of Christmas in your own heart. I would challenge you today, come to Jesus. I hope you'll come back tonight. Tonight's our Christmas party, but, and if you do, is Rudy in the building? Rudy, are you here? Rudy's gonna get baptized tonight. And so like Rudy comes up to me at the end of the service last week in the second service, he goes, do you remember me? And I go, uh, no, am I supposed to? I mean, I don't remember him at all. He goes, well, last time you saw me, I was in uniform. I thought he meant he was a cop. So I said, what, have you pulled me over in the past and I'm supposed to remember you? I mean, what? He goes, no, 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 no. I was in uniform. I was in a prison in the prison system. And a while back, an opportunity came to me and I got a phone call. They have a victim... Um, awareness program and they asked me to come and speak to the convicts in the in the prison about the impact that a murder has on me personally and on my family and so I was able to go in there and speak and Rudy was in prison at that time he said remember I came to you and said when I get out I'm gonna come visit you and I said yeah I do remember that he goes well I'm out He says to me, he says, I was completely lost. I completely lost my way. But God found me in prison. And a couple of chaplains were speaking one day. And while they were speaking, my heart was opened up to the truth. And I could hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And he convinced me that I was a sinner and he convinced me that I needed to be saved. And so I gave my heart to Jesus, but this is what he said. And I, I, he convinced me that he has a plan for me and he's not done with me. And here's what I want you to know. God is in his sovereignty will find you. He'll seek, no matter where, you're never lost to him. And he'll come find you in prison when you think you're done. And you have nowhere to go and he'll come and find you and he'll bring somebody like a chaplain or somebody to come alongside of you and tell you the truth so that you can hear and your ears will be open and your eyes will be open to the truth and you can give your heart to Jesus and find new life in him and be born again. And you might be listening to me today and today is your day. And my voice is the voice to open your heart and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you right now. And if you hear his voice today and you know that it's you, that you need to be saved, whether you're here in the building or online, today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your heart. Come to Jesus. We will help you. If you're, if you're online with us, there's a way for you right now that you can click and say, I want to find the Lord or I want to speak to somebody. Our prayer team is ready and waiting to help you with that.
Would you please not leave the building until you come and let us help you find Jesus today? You can ask him to forgive you right there in your seat and receive him as your savior right there in your seat. You don't even need my help. The Holy Spirit will help you through that, but don't leave today without giving your heart to Jesus. The message for the rest of us is, what are you gonna do with this generous gift that has been given to you? I hope you'll come back next week as we talk about Jesus' next step in his life after his birth and what we see him doing in the temple. And we're gonna talk about that and the call that God might have on your life and the thing that God might have you to do as we look to 2022. And what part God wants you to play in the advancement of his kingdom. We're gonna talk about that next week, but here's the thing. And we do this every year. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I have come to bring light. If you got your candles, go ahead and get your candles out. I have come to bring light into the world. And if you'll receive me, he says, then you become light to shine in the darkness. Now, can I read you what I read at the beginning of the service? Remember it said, feed the hungry and help those in trouble, and this is what will happen. Then your light will shine out of the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. And so what God, what Jesus says is, I am the light of the world. I pass this light to you, and now you are the light of the world. Let's go ahead and stand. And what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to, you know, Jesus said, a light's not intended to be hidden, right? You don't hide a light, that hurt. You don't hide a light. You don't shelter a light, and you don't hoard a light. You let the light shine. In fact, you put it up on a high place somewhere so that it can shine for the whole room to see. But Jesus goes on to say, no, let your light so shine that others will see and want to be part of the same light. And so we take the light and we share the light by sharing the gospel and sharing our lives. And, and then you take it and you share it with somebody else and I keep sharing it so that you'll share it. And as we continue to do for the Lord and serve him, that light just continues to shine, but it continues to multiply. And as the light multiplies, amazing things will happen for Christ and his kingdom. So as we pass the light in this wonderful display and symbol, let's just sing that little song that you all have memorized because we already did it once today. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright,
Just look around you and how beautiful is this sight. This is what the family of God looks like to the world. And as we serve and as we're generous to the Lord, it's like raising our light. Everybody just raise your light up into the air right now. And do you see how it illuminates for all to see? This is the impact of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me just pray over this right now. Father, you see us and we're so thankful for your love. We're so thankful for your generosity that provided your son so that we could live. We don't understand that kind of love we would never sacrifice at that level. But we're so thankful that you have done that for us. Would you help us to be the light you intended us to be? Would you help us as a congregation to shine so strong as we meet the needs of those around us in our community, as we reach out with the gospel to be a light in this community, to be a light in this state, to be a light in this nation and use us to be a light around the world. We lay ourselves open to you, willing for you to use us. Open doors of opportunity and we'll walk through them, Lord, to fulfill your will here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for your supernatural, superintending of our lives and that you have a sovereign plan for us just like you had for your son who gave us the path to find you. We're grateful, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and blow these out carefully. And we're gonna close with a final number. So here's the deal. You guys, this is just crazy. This is just blowing me away. So our final number <laughs> Let me just tell you, we were talking about this at the beginning of the service when we had the 126,000 and um, one of the guys in the tech booth back here, his name's Dan Pease. Dan said, um, 
I see a two. <laughs> and I said to myself, if we hit 200,000, that's gonna, I'm gonna go out of my mind. That'll be like the biggest thing that God has ever done through this congregation. And um, so the total number is 291,660. It's okay to clap for that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you guys. So you want to just build the entire church down in, in, in Chile? You just want to give them all the money? Just, <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, I'll recommend that. I'll tell them. The second service said we have to do that. We have to, like, just buy the whole church. I don't know what to say. I really, I'm, I'm speechless on this. I don't know. I don't even know how to respond. I'm just so full. And um, praise the Lord. And you know what, you guys? It, this doesn't make sense, but like, does anything make sense in God's economy? This doesn't make sense that in the way our world is right now and the way that our economy's going and the way things are going, this doesn't make sense. And yet this has been happening all year long. You have been so generous and God's people have been so generous. I'm hearing about this in multiple churches where pastors are saying, I can't believe the generosity of God's people right now. And so praise the Lord for that. In fact, can I just tell you, that um, you know, we have a school, Elkhart Christian Academy, and we're in need. We need a principal and we need a school administrator. So we're kind of upside down, and all of our, all of our um, teachers are stepping up, and they're taking on more. They are already full, but they're already taking on more to, because they love our kids and they love our families, and they love Christian education. And every year we give the families of the school an opportunity to bless our teachers. You know that they gave um, the people gave a record amount to that um, Christmas fund and they split that up to all the teachers and so they're getting money this year more than they've ever received because God's people have just been generous towards them. And so how awesome is it that we get to just bless the Lord? That's what is amazing to me. We get to give the Lord more than what he laid on us to give. We get to just like bless him. Is that as cool to you as it is to me? We get to bless God you guys, and so way to go, and can I, I, I don't know how to close, I don't want to stop, can we just keep on going? <laughs> Let me end with this, okay, some of you that don't know the Lord, that might be here, or here online with us, you might not understand us, and it might be like, you guys are just weird, what are you giving this much money away for? It's because we love God, because he loves us. You want in on that? You, want to be, you can be part of that. You can be part of this awesome thing, and I would love to help you with that today. If you need Jesus, come down here um, and let us help you get in to this whole thing to where we get to f receive the blessings of God and then bless God back. But um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's go shine our lights in amazing ways in the next few days until we meet again. Um, God bless you. Hope you come back tonight for our business meeting and our worship experience and our communion and our party. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. 
Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbcelkhart.org, for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.